Yo, what is up team? Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking about the best pre and post workout meals according to science. And I don't have anything to blog. Let's just get right into this. So first and foremost, we need to answer the question, why is pre and post workout nutrition important? So really most people love to push themselves in the gym, but still never look like they lift because their nutrition doesn't match the way that they train. So how I want you to look at this is, your training is like the gas pedal, but your nutrition is the fuel tank. So without proper or enough fuel, you'll never go far, no matter how hard you push the pedal. Which of course perfectly illustrates why pre and post workout nutrition is so important for physique development. So in today's episode, you're gonna learn how to stop under fueling slash under recovering, and finally achieve the physique you've already been doing the work for. And really, this is one of the most common issues that new online clients that start coaching with us are making. We tend to attract people that love, like a very type A personality who has already been crushing themselves in the gym for years, and I've been there myself. But again, if your nutrition doesn't match up what you're trying to achieve, you still won't see the results. Because again, your training, no matter how hard you work, it's only a portion of the equation. All right, so from here, let's dig into the best science-based meal to eat pre-workout. So when teaching online clients how to get the absolute most out of their training, we'll typically start with the pre-workout meal. Now this is because for most, a solid pre-workout nutrition strategy will yield the most quote-unquote bang for your buck when it comes to improving performance, recovery, and results. So if your pre-workout nutrition is optimized, what you do intra and post-workout is much less important. So there are really three key things you want out of your pre-workout meal. One, your pre-workout meal should improve your ability to train intensely in your upcoming workout. Two, your pre-workout meal should minimize catabolism, which is the breakdown of muscle tissue during your training. And three, your your pre-workout meal should provide your body with the amino acids that it needs to recover from your workout and build new muscle tissue. Now, we'll focus on macro-specific recommendations first, aka protein, carb, and fat recommendations, before concluding with some collective recommendations. Alright, so the first question we need to answer is, how much protein should you eat pre-workout? Now, protein is a key component of your pre-workout meal due to something called net protein balance. So your muscles are essentially built from protein, or more specifically, the amino acids that you consume within protein. Muscle protein synthesis, or MPS, is the process of your body repairing slash adding to your current muscle protein. So after you consume protein, levels of MPS spike for the next two to three hours before returning to baseline. The size of the spike depends to an extent on the amount and quality of protein consumed. Now, resistance training also spikes MPS, but it's not just as simple as eat protein, train, spike MPS, build muscle because there's another, we could say, more sinister force at work here, which is muscle protein breakdown, or MPB, which is the process of your body breaking down muscle protein. Now, I need to clarify, muscle protein breakdown isn't always bad. Um, It's thought that part of this is actually the inflammatory signal that then causes our body to go in and build new muscle protein, larger muscle protein, so this is not actually like a sinister force, but um, your muscles are basically stuck in this constant battle between MPS and MPB. Sometimes rate of MPS is greater than MPB, sometimes vice versa. Now to build muscle, we need a positive net protein balance, meaning more MPS has occurred than MPB across any given time frame. 
to lose muscle, we need negative net protein balance, meaning more MPB than MPS must have occurred across any given time frame. Um, so like right away you can see, and I would say anecdotally this is more common in, actually I would say that it's pretty common in both women and men. Like people will start coaching that have been training super hard five, six days a week crushing themselves but again not making any progress hey i still don't look like i lift despite the fact that i'm working my ass off and he, just understanding what i just broke down there okay so to lose muscle we need negative net protein balance meaning more muscle protein breakdown than muscle protein synthesis must have occurred across any given time frame so if you're not paying attention to your nutrition you're probably under eating protein and it, it doesn't matter how hard you're training like you're still not going to be able to build muscle now net protein balance is related to more than just how much protein you're eating when you're training hard, your body enters what we call a sympathetic state, better known as fight or flight mode. Now in this state, more of the hormone cortisol is released. Cortisol, along with a few other byproducts of an intense training session, increase the rate of muscle protein breakdown. Now because lifting weights will stimulate muscle protein synthesis, post-workout both MPS and MPB are elevated a bit. So it's not like your muscles are just deteriorating in front of your eyes like uh, the Nazis at the end of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know if that's still a reference that people understand or not. Uh, that shit fucked me up when I was a little kid. I was I had nightmares about that for a long time. Um, but your net protein balance will be negative post-workout if you haven't consumed adequate protein recently. So again, while well, MPS is slightly elevated by training as well, not to the degree that MPB is. So net protein balance is still negative. So the question is, how can you avoid this? Well, by consuming an adequate dose of protein pre-workout, you're giving your body the amino acids it needs intra and post-workout to further spike muscle protein synthesis and create a scenario where muscle growth is possible. This is also why if you have eaten pre-workout, getting in protein post-workout becomes much more important. So my general recommendation to online clients to optimally stimulate muscle protein synthesis pre-workout, research indicates that consuming 20 grams of protein will allow for an almost maximal increase in muscle protein synthesis, while consuming 40 grams will yield a 10% higher rate than 20 grams, making it slightly more optimal. So. Um, basically eat 20 grams of protein in your pre-workout meal to create a near max muscle protein synthesis response or 40 grams if you plus if you want to ensure you're taking all of the boxes. Now the next question from here is what kind of protein should you eat pre-workout? Now ideally you want this to be a lower fat, fat digesting protein source that can also contains a good amount of amino acid leucine. This is because the amino acid leucine is essentially the quote-unquote trigger for muscle protein synthesis. Leucine content varies by protein source, which in turn impacts whether you optimally stimulate muscle protein synthesis or not. So along with the 20 to 40 gram dose of protein mentioned earlier, we need 2.5 grams plus of leucine, which is thought to be the leucine threshold we need to hit to optimally stimulate muscle protein synthesis. That said, you really don't need to overcomplicate this too much. Um, for the most part, 25 to 40 grams of protein from most animal-based sources or a quality plant protein powder will tick the leucine box here. So just so you can conceptualize this a little bit better, um, a couple of examples of how we could hit our leucine threshold. 25 grams of a quality whey protein, six ounces of chicken, eight egg whites or 264 grams of egg whites, five whole eggs, six ounces turkey breast, six ounces canned tuna, 
six ounces of wild salmon, or if you fuck with tilapia, six ounces of tilapia, personally not a fan. Um, but all of those, not all those combined together, all those individually are easy ways to get at least 2.5 grams of protein or of leucine and at least 20 grams of protein. Now, it's ideal that this protein source is lower fat because we want your stomach to be empty when you start training. This isn't the same thing as your pre-workout meal being fully digested, which takes quite some time, but if your body is still digesting food in the stomach when you start training, performance will suffer, and we'll dig into the why behind that a little bit later. Now, leaner protein sources will typically digest quicker as fat can potentially slow the digestive process. So some recommendations for food here would be very similar to what we just discussed, whey protein or a plant-based protein powder, chicken breast, lean ground beef, 93% or leaner, um, lean ground turkey, again, 93% or leaner, or egg whites. Now the next question, how many carbs should you eat pre-workout? So there are three primary reasons carbs are helpful in a pre-workout meal. Number one is managing glycogen stores. Glycogen, which is basically carbohydrates stored in your muscle and liver, is going to be your body's preferred fuel source while training. So during a training session, first, muscle glycogen stores are depleted. Next, liver glycogen. And then your body will start converting amino acids to glucose via the process of gluconeogenesis to use as fuel. So um, gluconeogenesis, which is again, the process of converting amino acids to glucose is very energy expensive and an additional stress for your body to recover from, which will slow your recovery time and potential muscle growth. So basically think of this as like your body converting protein to carbohydrate or to glucose and then to be used as fuel, right? But it, to actually go through, like, I'm from Nebraska, so I don't know if anyone will understand this reference, but it reminds me of, like, when they were turning corn into, um, which I don't actually know if I have a good enough understanding of this concept to <laughs> use this as an analogy, but um, I remember when I was a little kid, there was a plant, right, bias where they were turning corn, because Nebraska is the, the corn state, corn and cows, um, into ethanol which is basically and then they're gonna try to use it as gas and i don't know if i actually understood that as well they were doing there as well as i thought i did when starting this analogy but anyways um i remember my dad talking about how like hey it's a good idea but it took so many resources to actually convert that corn into like usable fuel that it just didn't make sense um and that's very similar to hopefully <laughs> everyone that listens to this podcast from nebraska is with me anyways um Hopefully that made sense. But again, gluconeogenesis is a very similar process here. So to simplify, when training for aesthetics, like most of our online clients are, your body is literally using carbs, which also equal blood sugar as the primary fuel source of your training. As you're depleting your body's current carb stores and your training, if more carbohydrates aren't available, many will experience a lower blood sugar crash about halfway through their training. Now, this of course is counterproductive to the level of performance you need to have in order to get the physique results you want from your training. So having some carbs pre-workout to quote unquote top off glycogen stores is smart for better recovery after your session. Next, carbs and protein both stimulate an insulin response. So basically the hormone insulin is released into the bloodstream after consumption. Now insulin has been shown to suppress muscle protein breakdown as insulin has an inverse relationship with the catabolic hormone cortisol we talked about earlier. 
So as cortisol levels are elevated during training, it's thought that a combination of protein and carbohydrate consumed before or during training could be an effective way to create an anti-catabolic buffer by reducing cortisol levels and protein breakdown, allowing for full recovery sooner. Finally, carbon take could potentially send your body the signal that plenty of fuel is available, allowing you to train harder. So there is some interesting research on carb rinsing, which is basically swishing a sugary solution around in your mouth before spitting it out, which does seem to potentially show that sending your brain the signal that it's just taking in more carbohydrates or energy leads to increased levels of performance. All right, so my recommendations, our recommendations, I should say, Coach Andrea and I's recommendations for online clients. Um, here, assuming you're training in a bodybuilding ish manner, like most of our online clients are, you won't need a huge amount of carbs pre workout, although, although there's nothing wrong with more carbs either. So, really, most will feel best aiming to get about 0.25 to 0.5 grams of carbs per pound of body weight pre workout. Now, there is an important context. Um, when it comes to pre-workout carbs when building versus cutting. So if you're in a calorie surplus or what we call with our online clients, the building phase, which means you're consistently eating more calories than you're burning, really trying to make sure you're optimally fueling training performance and recovery to just pack on some lean muscle. Um, muscle glycogen stores will likely already be full and thus carbs in this meal, if you feel tra fine training without them, are probably less important. So. If you're that individual, you're deep into a building phase, you know you're eating plenty like in the last 24 hours and really in the last week um, or the last couple months, you're gonna constantly have more full glycogen stores. So thus like this isn't as imperative. So if you're, you are now like, I will say most of our clients, we still push to pay a lot of attention to this. I know when I'm in a building phase, I still feel better if I have more carbs to work out, but some people will feel fine without them. Like, hey, my muscle glycogen stores are already full. Um, I feel great going into this training with just some protein. And if that's the case, you're fine. Now, if you notice you're having trouble focusing or pushing yourself during training while in a surplus, it can actually be smart to experiment with decreasing carbs and increasing fats slightly. So sometimes the large insulin spike that comes with a large amount of carbs can actually hinder your focus and leave you feeling lethargic. In a calorie deficit for already lean individuals, I should say, carbs in the pre-workout meal will be more important as they'll help maintain your glycogen stores. All right, so the next question we need to answer on carbs is, what kind of carbs should you eat pre-workout? So the primary thing you want in a carb source or is a carb source that can digest quickly. So both to prevent you from feeling sluggish during your training and to top off your muscle glycogen stores sooner. Higher glycemic carbs um, or starchy carbs tick this box, so probably still smart to focus on these if you're eating closer to training. But really, you'll primarily want to just ensure that fiber is lower in the carbs you're consuming here, as fiber will slow digestion. So really, you don't need to pull out like the glycemic index or anything of that nature. And honestly, like it, it varies so much depending on what foods and even like individual. Uh, the glycemic index isn't something that I have individuals take a whole lot of stock in because again, like an individual's reaction it varies so much person to person, but um, really again, like basically think lower fiber carbs. And I really like Chris Barricat's recommendation from our episode on body recomposition, um, where ideally your pre-workout carbs would be from a mix of starch and fruit, which gives you a combo of faster and slower releasing carbs to fuel you through the workout. So some recommendations here for starchy slash high GI carbs would be rice cakes, white rice, cream of rice, instant oats, a white potato, bagels, white bread, cereals, or corn. 
<laughs> Hell yeah, eating your corn pre-workout. I don't know why that cracks me up that I put that in there. Uh, or fruit. So of course, berries, bananas, pears, apples, peaches, kiwis. Um, and yeah, this list can go on, but you get the idea. All right, so the final question on the pre-workout meal is, how much fat should you eat pre-workout? So fat, for the most part, should really stay relatively low pre-workout. You don't get any benefits as far as refilling muscle glycogen stores or stimulating muscle protein synthesis from eating fat. And it can potentially slow the digestion of your carbs and protein, causing your ability to train hard to suffer. So this is an area that doesn't require us to delve too deeply. Basically, if you're eating 60 to 90 minutes pre-workout, most will feel best keeping fat between 5 to 15 grams of fat in their pre-workout meal. Um, if you're eating 1.5 to 3 hours before training, fat can help slow digestion enough that you're not hungry mid-training session. Here, most will feel better consuming um, 10 to 25 grams of fat in their pre-workout meal. So I'll say, like for me personally, I typically train 60 to 70 minutes after I eat, and I do like a little bit of fat in my pre-workout meal. That seems to be how I feel best. So basically, I'll have Greek yogurt, whey protein, um, some oats, some berries, and then I will have one tablespoon of peanut butter, which is eight grams of fat. And I think in that meal total, there is nine to 10 grams of fat between a little bit from the oats as well, um, fat-free Greek yogurt. But again, I'm, uh, that's for me really where I feel best. And I think most people, anecdotally, most people are gonna feel best like following this lower fat. Really, I think there's very few individuals who can like, once we're past like two to three hours, um, before we're training, like a two to three hour span from eating to training, we're really getting to the point where, okay, like by the end of your training session, if you're training for 90 minutes, it could have been four and a half hours since you eat it and you'll probably be feeling pretty shitty. So really I like like a 60 minute, 60 to 90 minute time frame here, but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because the next question we're going to answer is how long before you're working out should you eat? So this really depends a bit on what you're eating and your personal preference as to what makes you feel best. If your body is still trying to eat the food or empty the food from your stomach, some blood, which we do want to be pushed to your muscles while training, will actually be rechanneled to your stomach. But in general, somewhere between one to three hours pre-workout is a good time to eat. So I would eat 60 to 90 minutes before training if you're eating quick digesting food like cream of rice or instant oats and a waist shake. I would eat 1.5 to three hours before training if you're, you're eating unprocessed foods that'll take longer to digest. So for example, let's say you're eating a steak and potato meal. Um, from there, to really kind of sum all this up, the optimal pre-workout meal. So we're gonna have protein, 20 to 40 grams from a quick digesting high leucine source like protein powder, chicken breast, lean ground turkey, or egg whites. Carbs, we're going to have 0.25 to 0.5 grams of carbs per pound of body weight from a quick digestion source like white rice, rice cakes, cream of rice, instant oats, or bagels. And combining a starchy carb source and a fruit will potentially be more optimal for both quick and sustained energy. And fat, basically keep it light. 5 to 15 grams if you're training less than 90 minutes, or in less than 90 minutes, and 10 to 25 grams if you're training 90 minutes or further from that. Now as far as timing, um, eat 60 to 90 minutes before training if you are eating a quick digestion food. Eat 1.5 to 3 hours before training if you're eating unprocessed foods that'll take longer to digest. Alright, so next we need to dig into the best science-based meals to eat post-workout. Now when it comes to your post-workout nutrition, 
Much of the same logic behind food sources and the outcomes they're meant to drive, meaning managing glycogen stores, spiking muscle protein synthesis, etc., really carry over from the pre-workout meal to the post-workout meal. So you'll notice that many of the concepts are the same here as what we discussed earlier, and I will avoid making this redundant, don't worry. But because of the similarity between the pre- and post-workout meals, really if one of the two is honed in as far as food composition and timing, you can be a bit more flexible with the other. So for example, if you had a solid pre-workout meal, there likely aren't any detriments to waiting one to two hours before eating your post-workout meal. If you're training fasted, eating a post-workout meal as soon as you can after training becomes much more important. But really there are two key things you want to get out of your post-workout meal. One, your post-workout meal should spike muscle protein synthesis or MPS. Two, your post-workout meal should help you replenish glycogen stores. So again, let's dig into post-workout nutrition on a macro by macro basis, starting with how much protein should you eat post-workout. Now, just like the pre-workout protein, um, the goal here is to ensure that you're providing your body with the amino acids it needs to build new muscle through a process of muscle protein synthesis, the process of muscle protein synthesis. If you recall, both MPS and MPB are elevated post-workout. By consuming an adequate dose of protein pre-workout, you're giving your body the amino acids it needs to enter in post-workout to further spike MPS and create a scenario where muscle growth is possible. This is also why if you have eaten pre-workout, getting into protein post-workout becomes much more important. That said, consuming another bolus of protein post-workout is an excellent idea because even if you optimally simulated muscle protein synthesis with the pre-workout meal, MPS will likely have returned to baseline levels or will within the next 30 to 90 minutes due to something called the muscle full effect. So basically, once enough protein is taken in to saturate a muscle, the muscle full effect happens. So approximately 30 minutes after consuming an adequate bolus of protein, rate of muscle protein synthesis triples. At approximately 90 minutes, your rate of muscle protein synthesis peaks before returning to baseline levels at approximately two hours. Um, this return to muscle protein baseline basically occurs regardless of how much protein is still available in your bloodstream. So once again, to spike MPS again, and ensure that the rate of MPS is greater than the rate of MPB, you'll still need to eat some more protein post-workout. So our recommendations to online clients, um, again, the same logic as the pre-workout meal applies here. To optimally stimulate muscle protein synthesis post-workout, research indicates that consuming 20 grams of protein will allow for an almost maximal increase in muscle protein synthesis while consuming 40 grams, will yield a 10% higher rate of muscle protein synthesis than 20 grams, making it slightly more optimal. So next we need to answer, what kind of protein should you eat post-workout? Now, similar to pre-workout, this should be a lower fat, fast digesting protein source as research seems to show that this is more optimal for muscle growth than a slower digesting source. So some recommendations here would be whey protein, plant-based protein powder, chicken breast, as we discussed before, lean ground beef or lean ground turkey, and egg whites. So the next question that we need to answer is how many carbs should you eat post-workout? Now the primary role of carbs post-workout is to replenish your muscle glycogen stores so that you're able to train hard again in your next session. Waiting just two hours post-workout can reduce the rate of glycogen replenishment by up to 50%. But the thing is, when we're talking about glycogen replenishment, this is likely only really important if you're planning to train again in the same day. So for example, I can think of one of my clients who lives in Greece, actually. Um, she swims super hard and then she trains later in the day. 
Now her goal as a whole is just shifting her body composition, getting leaner, building muscle. Now for her, we put a lot more emphasis on like post-workout, you need to make sure that there are a good amount of carbs, fast digesting carbs in this meal, so that when you're going into your weight training later in the day, you are still, like your muscle glycogen stores are replenished and you can push yourself hard. But on the flip side, if like more or less the only intense activity you do is your training, we're not too worried about this, like uh, the rate of muscle glycogen replenishment, because if you're training the next day, still it, your muscle glycogen stores will be replenished. Um, again, it seems as long as you eat enough carbs across the day, your body will likely refill muscle glycogen stores again by your next session, whether you had a lot of carbs post-workout or not. So the primary outcome we want from post-workout carbohydrates is taking advantage of the inverse relationship between insulin and cortisol we mentioned earlier to reduce cortisol levels and in turn muscle protein breakdown and create an environment that's more anabolic slash conducive to muscle growth. So the recommendations that we give online clients, typically we recommend online clients try to get at least half of their daily carb intake peri-workout, meaning pre, intra, and post-workout. So if you're lighter on the carbs pre-workout, go heavier here. So again, I would say aim for at least 0.25 to 0.5 grams of carbs per pound of body weight in the post-workout meal. Next, the question is, what, what kind of carbs should you eat post-workout? Now again, very similarly to your pre-workout meal, we want this, these to be fast digesting. So this will typically mean those lower fiber starchy carb sources. Again, things like rice cakes, white rice, cream of rice, instant oats, white potatoes, bagels, white bread, and cereals. So the next question is again, how much fat should you eat post-workout? Now, similar to pre-workout, we could potentially want to keep fat lower post-workout. You don't get any benefits as far as refilling those glycogen stores or stimulating muscle protein synthesis further from eating fat, and it can potentially slow the digestion of your carbs and protein, which means it would slow the delivery of these nutrients to your recovering muscles. Now, that said, this also isn't the biggest deal. The difference in gains made from eating 10 grams of fat in your post-workout meal versus 30 grams is likely so small it wouldn't even be measurable. So really what I typically tell online clients is, like for example, let's use a client whose post-workout meal is typically dinner with their family and also typically a bit higher in fat. Um, this is a situation where I, would, where I always tell people like, hey, don't stress this too much. Um, really like it's not the post-workout meal isn't so much like hey was this low fat or was this high fat rather did you get adequate carbs and did you get adequate protein um so again like 95 percent of the time and i would say for the majority of clients it is like that post-workout meal is dinner oh, about 50 percent. and again like in a situation like that it's like hey my wife is cooking or my husband is cooking or i'm cooking for the family and we typically have like a meal that's gonna have 20 to 40 grams of fat Again, like don't don't worry about that. It's not gonna make it's and I'm someone that's very into optimizing the minutia, and it's not again, it's probably not a measurable difference. So general recommendations we give clients if you want to optimize every detail, potentially keeping this below 20 grams of fat is a good idea. But again, really just be sure to get plenty of carbs and protein and you will be in a good place. So the next question is how long after working out should you eat? Now again, how soon you need to eat post-workout is very dependent on what your pre-workout meal looked like. Eat as soon as possible if you're training fasted. You're okay to wait one to two hours if you ate a pre-workout meal to fit the previous guidelines. Now really, I like Alan Aragorn's 
Aragon, excuse me, recommendation of little Lord of the Rings reference there, Alan Aragon's recommendation of making sure that there's no more than three to five hours between eating your pre-workout meal and your post-workout meal. All right, so finally to sum things up, as far as the post-workout meal goes, again, we want 20 to 40 grams of protein from a quick digesting high leucine source. Get at least 0.25 to 0.5 grams of carbs per pound of body weight from a quick digesting source. And really try to get a half or more of your daily carb intake fit into the pre and post-workout meals. Fat is much less important than ensuring you have plenty of carbs and protein in the post-workout meal, but it could potentially be slightly more optimal to have less than 15 to 20 grams. Uh, timing, eat as soon as possible if you're training fasted, but you're okay to wait one to two hours if you ate a solid pre-workout meal. Um, and finally, don't let there be more than three to five hours between your pre-workout and post-workout meal. And that is the science-backed way to most effectively fuel your training and recovery with your pre and post-workout meals. Now, these are the same science-backed strategies we implement with our online clients undergoing the physique transformation process. So if you're ready to be coached one-on-one -on -one by our team to your best physique ever, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with our team. And that is all I have for you guys for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.